Jim Joyce. Notice hey. my different voice with Jim <laughs> Joyce. You're working on it. You got it. <laughs> there is, uh, there's only one news as far as I'm concerned. Congrats. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I assume you're talking about <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. The no, announcement, I, the big announcement. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you speak to it. I'll let you speak yeah, to no, it. So, so I guess, what is it, Tuesday morning at 7.30 in Ireland, uh, Health Beacon, you know, my company that we've talked about, um, has a announced, our, <laughs> a little bit, announced our intention to float on the Euronext uh, Growth Dublin. So over the next couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll look to raise uh, 25 million euros and, and kind of finish off that round. So super exciting, you know, um, super exciting, thing, but exciting. Man, I, I, I know I kind of talked about this and I'm just, you know, proud to be a friend of knowing you from that first little PDF in London that you showed me of this beautiful device. <laughs> and now you have an intent to float on a stock exchange and become a yeah. publicly traded company CEO. Are you going to be able to hang out with me on this Wednesday show? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. Yeah, like I'll be, be, the hair and makeup will come in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so speaking of, um, you know, investments and trading, uh, we are going to invite um, Charlie Hartwell is going to join us now. Excellent. So the, uh, the, the background on Charlie um, Good morning, Charlie. May help if I get my video on. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's still it's it's evening for us, so we had a lot of practice already. It's still somewhat of a morning for you, right? Ish. It is. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Nice to meet you. Jim, nice Charlie, you. Charlie, Jim. Good to and connect with you. As, as you were coming on, I, uh, I think I even commented that to you over email because we were relatively recently introduced kind of within the last year or so by uh, our, our mutual friend offer from, from Papify. But I don't know, right. I feel like I've, you know, after the first conversations, I felt like I've known you forever. So you're just a personable <laughs> guy. Um, but Anyway, welcome to the shot. Thanks for making the time. And for our millions of listeners and viewers, uh, we'd love to get to know Charlie and sort of your career path to becoming now a VC. Oh, we lost uh, your voice. Yeah, we're, we lost you. So can you hear me? Now we can, yes. Perfectly. Okay. okay. So I've had a non-traditional career path. Um, my first job, I was working on Wall Street managing trust and advice, uh, estate investments uh, during the day and starting a nonprofit in the slums of Nairobi at night. And my career's kind of gone like that. Um, I've worked in 14 different industries. Uh, I've worked in corporate America, startup, turnaround, um, nonprofit, for-profit, domestic, international. Uh, I have done, you know, sort of the traditional sort of, I've worked for H.J. Hines as a consumer goods marketer and for Pillsbury. But then my next job, I was running a company helping two female explorers con cross the continent of Antarctica. 
and we turned that company and really into a uh, and the expedition into a metaphor of if um, these two women can cross the continent of Antarctica, uh, 1,700 miles pulling 250-pound sleds um, for 90 days, then what can you do with your life? Um, so Good question. I, I'm, already yeah, feeling, yeah, I'm already feeling like I haven't done anything with my life after the uh, two-minute no. introduction. <laughs> So I, I've just had this, you know, my career makes no sense unless you sort of put uh, the, the essence of everything that I've been involved with has to do with growth, transformation, innovation, and authentic leadership. And that sort of ties it all together. But I'm, I'm really in my sweet spot when I'm helping to build global movements. And uh, the work that I'm doing now for the Bridge Builders Collaborative is kind of the latest manifestation of that. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but um, it's interesting, right? Um, so first of all, can you talk a little bit more about kind of what you were doing in those 90 days with those two amazing women? Yeah, Nine so in 1998, I met a, the first woman who'd ever skied to the North Pole, a woman named Anne Bancroft, and she wanted to be, she'd also been the first woman to reach the South Pole, um, and she wanted to be the first woman to cross the continent of Antarctica, and uh, so she'd always operated under a nonprofit model, you know, going around to schools, begging for money for these really expensive expeditions. And for some reason, when I met her, it was really an emotionally, an emotional professional moment for me, like a business plan. I knew nothing about expeditions, um, but a business plan sort of popped into my head. Um, she was, I think she was, thought I was a little crazy. I was like faxing her business plans within like, you know, a day after um, meeting her for lunch, but I, I can, I, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I put together the first for-profit expedition company in U.S. history because I thought if you want to do something this big, we have to do it as a for-profit, and as opposed okay. to going to schools, um, you know, to, uh, you know, and and doing fundraisers, um, we went to people like Volvo and Motorola and Apple Computer um, and Pfizer, Women's Health, and you know, major brands and, uh, and created a massive global event generating 3 billion media impressions. Um, and, you know, my goal really was, you know, to support these women to do that and then put the team together to take their message and create this sort of global movement to inspire other girls and women and, and boys. Um, and so we did that through you know, we had 3 million school kids following a curriculum we developed wow. in 65 countries. Um, and, you know, it was just uh, during, during the time when, if you remember back to the Gore-Bush um, election, there was nothing else on CNN except <laughs> our story. That was, that was the only other story at the time uh, that was awesome. making it on CNN. I feel like I've heard, I, I feel like, you know, I'd have to date myself going back, but I feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this and I've heard the name Anne Bancroft before. And um, that's amazing. And it is a company still running. I don't know you too. I was watching some cartoons still. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, I was a very sophisticated eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, was the, um, it, is that company still running? The no, no, it would, uh, I worked, uh, I was a CEO for seven years okay. uh, and, uh, you know, we sort of accomplished our mission and um, the, the uh, and things sort of ended, you know, seven years later. 
And what's the pitch like? So what's the pitch like when you're going into Volvo and saying, hey, would you back, you know, I, I, I have two people, they want to cross Antarctica and you get 10, 10 grand for me. What's that pitch like? <laughs> uh, it was more like a million. Uh, and so we went in at the time, you know, we were competing against things like, uh, you know, Major League Baseball and the Olympics or whatever. We went in with, you know, a passionate connection, a, a way of connecting to to women. And then we customized each sponsorship, you know, for Volvo it was all about safety. You know, how do you do this dangerous journey and, and create something about safety and how do you inspire women? And, um, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it was interesting because at the time women's sports were not what they are today. The WNBA was just starting. The U.S. women's hockey team had just won the gold medal. So there wasn't a lot of sponsorship dollars. And, you know, um, Anne and Lee are the incredible, these incredible women. Anne um, is lesbian. So going in and pitching, you know, in 1998, going and pitching a, um, you know, a famous figure who's, uh, who was not straight, yeah. that was another challenge. And um, it took a long time and it took, uh, you know, to get people. Uh, but I'll never forget sitting at the vice president of Apple's, uh, vice president of marketing at Apple. And just, I was, um, I was pitching him and Ann, Ann was in the room and, and it was one time he just said, I want you to shut up and I want to hear from her. And so he asked her about what she wanted to do with the expedition. And as soon as she got done, he said, okay, we'll do whatever you want. We'll, we're not going to sponsor you. We're not going to give you money, but we'll give you whatever promotion, whatever technical equipment. And, you know, that was a, an, a pretty amazing turning point for us wow, when amazing. we, they were really the first people that signed on. Right. And, you know, it's interesting as you're talking about, and then as you talked about your career, sort of going into uh, household brand names uh, more at a physical level. And I was just, you know, kind of, as you were talking, uh, reminding myself of the bridge builders portfolio, because it's literally kind of who is who um, of the, the modern consumer, right? Uh, and I'm just going to blurt out some of them, but like Insight Timer, 10% Happier, Headspace, Happify, Santa Health, Richard, I, you know, was just an amazing guy, right? Um, it's, so I think like, it's interesting how you were sort of developing, you know, early on things that were not seen by people, <laughs> you know, the, to, to your point, um, and then early investments into some of these companies. How do you see kind of your, maybe I, I'm putting words into your mouth, but maybe a little bit love of a consumer slash marketing and moving from physical goods to, I guess, digital goods that help people? Oh my gosh. Nobody's ever asked me that question. I love it. Um, I never really, I just, I thought of it more, uh, less of a, from a product perspective, as opposed to, uh, you know, I think of brands as being, um, helping people to connect to something and, uh, you know, in the physical brand space, you try to bring some emotion to a consumer product. Uh, and we were really early in sort of saying, you know, in, in the, in the, in the whole person I'm going to call it sort of the whole person wellness space. Um, you know, we were, we were some of the first to see that the physical fitness industry, which had really developed the same way that mental fitness uh, has developed science, entrepreneurs scale. Uh, the same thing was needed, you know, um, in the mental health space. And so the only way we were going to bring meditation 
which is a very Eastern concept. And at the time, people thought it was woo woo and whatever. But the only way to bring it to the Western world was through modern branding. And so we found companies that could do that. And we found pump companies that could engage with people and talk to them at the level they were at. And, you know, I just think that's kind of what branding is all about is making that connection. And, and who's, when you think about those brands, like what's, you know, what, 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 when your thesis coming in and either kind of guiding people or making choices about which brands to back, how do you, how do you think about that? Or how do you coach them down, down? Cause there, had, there isn't a lot of history of people building brands in mental wellness. Are, are you making Charlie pick his favorites in the portfolio now? Is that- <laughs> are you what? Sorry, I missed that. Did you miss Jim's question or my comment or both? Your comment. <laughs> I was saying, are you making Charlie pick his, his fav- your favorites out of the portfolio no. with that question? Uh, <laughs> I have lots of favorites. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think, Jim, Jim, I'm not sure I'm going to answer your question, but what, you know, what we tried to find really was leaders that had concepts that um, we thought would become you know, had some science behind them and that we thought that the team was such that they could bring a concept to scale um, and they knew how to scale things. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then we didn't exactly know how they were going to do it. And we watched a lot of people, um, Eugene, you were just talking about all these companies and, you know, the path from like yep. consumer to business, you know, to B2B, to healthcare and how that all interacts, you know, we, we didn't necessarily know where the path was going to take us. You, you just try to find people that you want to be on the path with. Mm, got it. Got it. So it's not, I like mean, it's not a constructed brand, like in you or an HJ Heinz and you're thinking about a new product and you go through this brand process, you were good leaders, good products. You wanted to work with them, had, you know, evidence to back up their technology. And that's, I mean, that's Charlie, like you're it, spending yeah. some time, you know, I mean, we're, we're, you, you, you've been around the block and, uh, you know, Jim here just made, before you will let you in, made an announcement that uh, there's an intent to float on the Irish stock market for his company. Um, and same thing. So, you know, just again, kudos, man, Jim. Um, but the reason I bring it up is you're, you're coming around, you know, um, as long as there is a clear vision and an execution team behind it, how you get, and sometimes you need to take us two steps back to push forward or sideways, or um, I actually don't like using the term pivot, right? It's just discovering new insights uh, and you sort of lean into those insights. Um, that's, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of pivot as a word, but. Um, sure. Well, I'm gonna use pivot because I, <laughs> I do like the, the word. What I, what I like is, to find curious entrepreneurs who say, I am really clear about my mission. I'm really clear about where I'm starting. Uh, And I'm curious as to listen to the market and tell me where it needs to go. Um, And, you know, in in our space, I'll take Headspace for an example, um, probably, you know, one of the best known brands that's developed in the mental health space. You know, they did a great job of marketing to, to consumers and because they marketed well to consumers, it allowed them, you know, it, it, people start asking about whether they could bring it into businesses. The same thing with Happify, um, Eugene, yep. which is where we connected. It's like they had 2 million downloads and then companies started calling them. And so they had to take a look at that and they were curious enough to say, 
wow, how do we respond to these calls? And then they learned how challenging, you know, how, how different B2B marketing is, uh, how different sales cycles are, et cetera. But they just remained open and curious and they found the right people to answer questions for them at the right time that had expertise that was greater than them, than, than, than the, you know, than the founders. Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting. Some of the names that I listed, and let's just kind of stick with, you know, Headspace, 10% Happier, Happify, um, you know, Insight Timer, right? Uh, to a certain extent, it's very hard to find investors that would invest in multiple companies that are in a very close space, right? Um, and I think probably Bridge Builders is one of the few that I've seen that actually has done this, right, with a, with a thesis. How do you manage that, right, as an individual, as a potential board observer, right? Because you want all your, for lack of a better term, babies to succeed, right? Um, but there's competition as well. Yeah, I, I found that there hasn't been as much competition. Um, we've, we have companies that I would say are, are cl sometimes closely related. They're not perfectly overlined. Right. And in a growing market, I'd say it's much, uh, there's a lot of green space. There's also a lot of space, um, uh, you know, for, for the, the, the challenge isn't when we make the investment, the challenge is what happens after the investment. Because a lot of times, you know, somebody will graduate to a different model and that will be more competitive to a, another model. But the way that I, the way that I try to, um, you know, to manage it is, that I will never reveal anything confidential about one company to another. And they know it because I never, I, on a call, I, I just, they know that I don't reveal stuff about other people to them. So they know that I'm not gonna do it about, about them. I only talk about things that are publicly available. Um, and I also think that, you know, we have a little, little bit different view on competition in the sense that competition Yes, there can be competition and people can get all worried about it, but there's also uh, the potential for cooperation. And as you're building a new field in a new industry, there are plenty of opportunities for folks to collaborate with each other. And so I, I haven't, uh, if you have really good boundaries, I, I, I haven't found it to be um, an issue, except I'm always really honest about it with our, you know, with our entrepreneurs. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like they know um, it's not like it's news to them that we invest in things close to them. Right. And, and as well, because we've made so many investments in the space, we can add a lot of value to people's thinking because we know the space, you know, better than most people. When, when you think about each other with the, um, the consumer, like the role that the consumer is playing in, you know, in these types of applications and, you know, and, but, but, and how important they are in kind of vetting the technology, showing there's demand for it, probably probably perfecting the tech, you know, getting, and and then and then these organizations turn around saying, okay, we got good tech, and now we want to go to the business, you know, the enterprise selling side of the organization. Like in your mind, what like, I, you know, you hear two schools of thoughts. Like really hard for a small organization to do both of those things, you know, and and then and then a lot of a lot of companies within healthcare are trying to do both of it. What's your kind of advice or insights when you look at that challenge? Well, we've asking had a lot for a friend, success. aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do we, it. I'm trying to do that right now. <laughs> we, our, our I, I'll just say our experience, Jim, is more on consumer going to B two B than B two B going to consumer. Okay. And you know, 
it's a little bit easier for consumer um, because if you have consumer traction, you can continue to have a consumer business. But when you go to pitch, you know, the organizations, um, they actually like that it's a consumer app. They want they want to deliver something that was built for consumers because what they really want is engagement. And if they have an app that was just built for B2B, a lot of times the engagement's not as good as it is for consumers. So I've seen that, you know, I've seen that several times where I appreciate that the consumer really helps these companies to learn how to deliver something that's sticky, that makes a difference in people's lives. And that just naturally graduates to opportunities and, you know, deep, deeper along the healthcare scale. Or yeah, the, the, you know, I think about it, like what I struggle with a little bit is almost, it's almost the, it's like the business dynamic feels pretty natural um, in some ways, consumer going into that, you know, seeing engagement, having the data, <clears throat> but um, it's almost like, how do you design the organization to be able to tackle both of those, you know, like that's what I, you struggle, you know, meaning, you know, people that are going to try to pierce an insurance industry or employers or pharma or whatever your grow to market strategy is or health clinicians. And then, you know, versus people that kind of are experts in how do I, you know, distantly in some ways market to consumers through traditional advertising or channels. Like it just seems like it seems like a lot, you know, to, for, you know, one organization to figure out. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And normally, you know, normally what I'll say is that it, as, as people make those changes um, or pivots, they have to add people uh, who are specifically focused on markets and who specifically know how to best take the insights from the consumer market and deliver it to, uh, mm. you know, to businesses. Mm. It is a you know, very different skill. You know, it's interesting, right? Like uh, just in uh, the, the your coach example, we've, you know, initially kind of focused on the supply side for the coaches and then realized people are just downloading. At first, we were just saying no, right? Just kind of we're for coaches initially to work on it. And then we very much realized that that sort of waiting list and the consumers actually gave us the data um, you know, as far as we knew that 43% are looking for health coaching and mental health space. And so our clients, ultimately, for the B2B, we came with a lot of this, you know, de-identified kind of more global say, hey, you know, so I think it, to me, it's the, that consumer first uh, is sort of interesting, right? And I think, Jim, you're going the reverse in a way, right? You were going B2B and now sort of exploring the D2C model uh, through right. partnerships, right? Yeah, like I wonder, you know, like I kind of wonder how, like if that's just going to be, you know, some version, obviously, we, you know, we have our own unique story, but of why we're doing it that way. But the, you know, it's actually so important that you develop a direct relationship with the consumer if you're launching digital health technologies, right? It's, it's, it's not a nice to have, it's a critical to have thing where you, you're probably not going to survive if you just have enterprise level, you know, engagement or software. So it feels like digital health tech entrepreneurs or companies or, you know, company builders are, aren't going to have a choice. They're going to have to learn how to bridge both these systems, you know. Um, you know, and in healthcare, and let's touch on another portfolio company, which um, it's, you know, B2B to patient, right, through a prescription, um, so, and, and I'm referring to paratherapeutics and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Corey and the team. I know where there's SPAC, they got a lot of slack, um, just from everything from revenues to valuations, um, and the ratio of that, um, in, and of course there's always going to be naysayers, right. Uh, in sort of the big vision of a bold entrepreneur, 
curious on kind of what attracted you to invest to begin with and how you're looking at that market because it's not B2C. It's not, I mean, you, I don't have to tell you guys and, and our listeners pretty familiar, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when we first met Corey, uh, probably what, you know, eight years ago, and we were really the, was one of the first outside investors, if not the first outside investor in the company. And, you know, we just, we like, um, we like to invest in revolutions. And Corey was, you know, was, um, he was very uh, steeped into this space. So he knew the space he was entering. And then he knew the challenges as well of what it was going to take to get, you know, software through, you know, the FDA. And, um, and, you know, and, and, and what's interesting, you know, coming back to this consumer piece is, so much of digital therapeutics, you know, let's just take, you know, take Para for an example. The the you know the FDA has approved three of their 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 products. Once you do that, now you've got to convince insurance companies and payers and you know um, and benefit folks to put it you know to list it and put a code behind it, etc. But you know then you've got to convince doctors to prescribe it. Um, and then consume, and you know, the, the at the end of the day, consumers have got to like it, uh, and and you know that's where um, that's where I think it's going to be really interesting um, when you translate, you know, what what Pear has done, the research behind what they've done, it's been really good. It's gotten through, you know, um, it's gotten through a lot of barriers, and now really over a period of time, it's like, wow, okay, so how do how, how do people use this? And just like drugs, like, are they going to, are they going to use it daily if they're prescribed or, or, and are they going to like it? And if they don't like it, um, then they're not going to use it. So, so while Corey and, and, and Pear was never a consumer product, they actually have to go the other way and make sure always that their user, they're learning about the user experience because efficacy can be great, but if nobody's using it, then um, there's no efficacy. Yeah, and I think they just got a day or two ago uh, FDA break, breakthrough. I think for uh, uh, got, um, al- alcohol, right? Alcohol uh, use disorder. Okay, correct. No, I, I mean his his. I could totally like. I remember him um, just going to J.P. Morgan and hearing his presentation. I was just in the audience, and I still remember that presentation. Like I'm always impressed that you know that was I don't know how many years ago. It was you know it was a lot of years ago, and. Mm. And the, the vision of what he was trying to do and how he was applying, you know, the pharmaceutical industry processes to bringing products to market and bringing it in. And at the time, while we all talk about that right now in the digital health space, that was kind of completely new, fresh thinking. And it was just, it just sat there. I remember the moment going through mm-hmm. it, like it the clarity, um, very investable uh, fellow, <laughs> you know, very yeah. clear thing. Um, you know, I, I loved your comment that you guys invest in revolutions, right? Um, so what's what's the next revolution here? What what are we looking at here? Give us a little uh, crystal ball. Uh, so uh, putting it in into my wife's wisdom, uh, she said to me three years ago, uh, Charlie, you've been investing in the gateway drugs to higher levels of consciousness. It's and she said it's time to go deeper. And, you know, we can point to 100 million people meditating on apps that we've invested in. 
we can point to, you know, the first three, three of the first four FDA approved software. Um, you know, we've, we've a lot of milestones, but, um, where we want to go from that, from here is to really develop models, uh, or support models that get much deeper into sort of conscious evolution, whole person healing, uh, because, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's a concern that if, if humanity doesn't expand its consciousness, we're not going to have a planet to live on. Uh, our technology has actually, you know, been developed at a much faster rate than our consciousness. And so we're literally destroying the planet that we live on. And if we don't wake up to that and we don't, um, uh, you know, and we don't improve our mental health uh, and, and really get more connected to ourselves, more connected to the earth, more connected to other people, then we're going to face an, a really uncertain future. So what we're looking for, um, Eugene, at, you know, at the moment are sort of deeper level, deeper models of, of con you know, sort of consciousness and deeper models of like of healing. So if you, you know, if you look at our current healing model, it's really based on something that it's kind of a saviorism model. It's a pill or a doctor or something outside of myself is going to fix me. And that means that you need to be fixed. Um, we would like to change it to where it's like a model where we're really valuing healing as opposed to selling more. Uh, we're really valuing deeper connection and we're we're really helping to support people um, really being more responsible for their own well-being uh, and to get to deeper levels of sort of mental health where we're getting to the root cause of trauma versus just like talking about the trauma. Uh, and so um, we're, we're kind of out there again, I would say, which is what we were 10 years ago when we started this, looking at sort of what's the next frontiers of things like, um, you know, music as healing, sound healing, um, how do communities actually facilitate healing? How do we get, how do we develop more social connection in general? Um, and, you know, and how do we really help to support people to sort of wake up to whatever their purpose is? Because I believe we all have a purpose that we're here. And then to live that, whatever that is, um, because I think we're meant to be here and, you know, and to live in joy. And if, and if we're not, then let's dig into why we're not, because that's what we're meant to do here. And, um, you know, kind of on the heels of that thesis, uh, I know I just connected you, uh, sorry, Jim. Uh, no, I was saying I it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful yeah, sentiment. I, just, I'm just giving a... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I was also in my deep thoughts, uh, so I wasn't even looking at the screen. I was just mesmerized by the thesis. Um, but I know on the heels of that thesis, um, you know, I just made an introduction to uh, just Piano Health, uh, Oscar, um, uh, and to you, Charlie. And But at the same, literally the same day, I think, you guys made an announcement on a company you guys invested in, right? Uh, I think it was music. And if I'm not mistaken, some psilocybin or some, if you, maybe you can talk about it more, deeper. Yeah, so it's a European company called Wavepaths. Uh, Wave the founders in Portugal, the companies in uh, in the UK, and Wavepaths was developed by a guy named Mendel Kalin, who's probably the you know leading researcher on music as it relates to psychedelics. And they've developed a platform, a musical platform 
that research is proving can help um, not only in the short term, I think it can help prove that it can improve the efficacy of psilocybin assisted therapy uh, and actually customize the experience for, um, for the user. But over a period of time, what if music itself is a healing tool? And what if music itself can be, um, you know, can be approved uh, as, as a drug? Maybe we don't need, you know, maybe we don't need psychedelics. Maybe we need psychedelics once for a really big trauma. Uh, it's a very expensive to go through that. But what if music can bring us back to that, that state that we were in? What, um, and and what, what's interesting about, uh, about this is, you know, so what if, what if music can be used, you know, in group settings or with a therapist uh, as a way of helping you to, um, uh, to, you know, to fulfill whatever intention you have. If it's, uh, if it's, a, if it's about healing, that's one thing. If it's about, um, you know, if it's about insight, that's another thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's an early, it's an early stage company. But I think it's, you know, again, sort of out there on that more revolutionary scale. When you think, like, just digging in, because we know quite, you know, Eugene and I, and I'm sure you do as well, Charlie, like, we know lots of, you know, quite a few of the the, the music, you know, kind of digital health uh, entrepreneurs and people that have come out um, in that space. Like, what do you think that looks like? Like, like I'm just thinking about like, what's the future look like? If we reached out five years from now, you know, are you going to like a music therapist you know, are you downloading uh, an application? Is it kind of mainstream? It's, you know, as I go in to see my general practitioner and he says, geez, Jim, you sound pretty stressed. <laughs> you know, you might want to, you know, here's a Grateful Dead CD or something, <laughs> not CD, <laughs> like download, you know, kind of, you know, you know, like, what is that? How does that, um, what do you think happens here? Like, does that go mainstream? Does it stay in this like technology space or what do you think? Well, I think it's, I think it, I actually think it can come into the medical space. Um, and I think that we can, uh, you know, one of the things WavePaths is doing is getting to where it's, I think music will be um, able to be customized to your current state. So through measurement of, you know, where sort of where you are, you can be developed, you know, you can have something sort of custom fed to support an intention wherever you're at. And, and that would be different. That would be a different musical experience based on sort of where you're at. So if you're really stressed, you get fed one thing. If you're really joyous, you get fit, fed another. Um, and, you know, and I, and I, and I believe that uh, over a period of time, these kind of things will be, um, uh, uh, you know, proven to be beneficial. I, they're, they're, as, an, as another example, there's work being done now in, uh, you know, in several research labs around music, like just with psychedelic therapy. How does, how does music itself change the psychedelic therapeutic experience and can it improve outcomes? And if you can custom make something that's going to improve an outcome, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, I was just, as you were saying, I was thinking about it with like medicines, like, you know, the prescription of the medicine, that it's, it's fundamentally, you know, it's regulation sits in this kind of, you know, first do no harm philosophy, right? Like, you know, you study the medication, everything's about, you know, like the first phase of clinical trials is like, you know, 
does it actually, you know, kill people, you know, does it hurt people? And then, okay, we have a medication that can survive animals and now it can survive humans. And then we look at its efficacy, but it's all based on this kind of safety parameter, right? And like things like music or some of the stuff we're all working on, the safety risk isn't there, you know? So as, as a result of the safety risk not being there, you know, you don't need this apparatus of pharmacy and clinical systems, you know, kind of dosing it, right? Like, it's just like, you know, if I took an extra, you know, dose of uh, whatever, Shakira, <laughs> you know, I'm not, at, I'm not at risk. Like, you know, you'll, you'll be dancing all night, Jim. You'll be dancing all night. <laughs> Other than annoying everyone. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder, like, this, the, the absence of a safety risk means that the system, you know, it you know, can't, like, deal with it or something. I, don't, I was just thinking in my own head as you were describing it, you know. I well, it, it's it's yeah. I don't. I obviously don't think that the safety risk is is. is I mean, there's little safety risk. Um, I think that more of the work is going to be done on the efficacy. You know, on the efficacy mm-hmm. of can this you know can this uh, music or light or you know. I mean, there's different types of technologies that can be supportive of this experience. Um, you know, VR is another one uh, where. Uh, uh, how can that experience support healing and the entrepreneurs, if they have enough proof behind that, then they have a choice to go through, you know, sort of the, the, that FDA system as a way of saying, okay, this isn't just something that doctors can think about. This actually can be, you know, prescribed. This actually is, right. is, is proven to enhance a drug or, right. or, or, you know, some other type of experience. It might be proven just to, it might be proven to just enhance an overall uh, mental health therapy, you know, uh, yep. take two talk space and, you know, and some music and, you know, uh, and, and just complement what a therapist already does. There should be like a new administration. Cause it even like the idea that that would go through some, like just say the music without the medication component to it would go through FDA. You know, there should know. be the FHA, it, it was the FHA, the federal healing administration. They should have. A new <laughs> Ooh, I like that, Jim. Wow. You know, okay. That- <laughs> are you, are you, are you announcing a run for, uh, for an office <laughs> that, you know, cause that's because a healing administration should be dealing with that and they should be looking at the efficacy, not comparing it to drugs, you know? You know, Charlie, I, I haven't looked at, I think you have health rhythms. I know kind of in our network, we should actually have Brian and Owen from MedRhythms, right? I mean, they just made some big yeah. announcements and I think they're, you know, they're doing or trying to do exactly that kind of like the efficacy of that music, the big deal that they had uh, just recently with the funding. So it'd be interesting to kind of dive into this sort of prescribing music even deeper into in, in, on the shot here as we're drinking. Um <laughs> Um, you know, maybe I just have one other, you know, kind of going back to the board observer and, you know, being really a partner to startup founders, right? Um, how do you look being, a, you know, a board member and or board observer? I know they're different roles, uh, but just, you know, your approach and any advice to startups and entrepreneurs on, kind of, I would say not just managing, but really building actually partnering with the board, any kind of key takeaways from all your experiences? So, so first of all, like, uh, you know, I came into this space, I'd never been sort of a venture capitalist before. So I, you know, 
I come in at it from an entrepreneur's perspective and, and someone who, um, you know, has been coaching people for a long period of time. I'm just passionate about uh, finding great entrepreneurs. And once we make a, um, once we make a commitment to someone, our goal is to, you know, to see them be successful and to use every tool that we can that's at our disposal to, to help them. So that might be like, you know, Bridge Builders is a, is a collaborative of 11 investors. They're all really, you know, highly seasoned, highly um, uh, connected people in different, from different industries. We all have the same mission, but we're, um, uh, but, but they have such different experiences. How do we take, how do we, how do we understand what does the entrepreneur need and then make the connections or provide the advice or, you know, help them. And a lot of that is just listening because it's not, we don't have a prescript. We don't have a prescription. We, you know, we try to listen. And then if you talk to our entrepreneurs, I think across the board, what they'd say is, we're the number one, number two, number three value-added investor, regardless of what size investment we have, because we're so passionate about this field succeeding. And this is our field. We want to, you know, we're here not just to make investments. We're here to shift the, you know, shift things on the planet. And so we're not here to just be passively making investments and hoping to get some money out the other side. The fun part of it is actually helping. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, each person needs things, you know, they're all at different stages and they need different things at different times. Awesome. Does that answer um, your question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we, we can, on any one of these points, we can keep like, you know, <laughs> digging deep, deeper. Uh, but then, you know, we're not, you know, we don't have a Tim Ferriss uh, show that lasts for two and a half, three hours, right? Uh, but um, Jim, do you want to go to your sure. sort of favorite yeah, I think we we yanking we're yanking all kinds of advice out of you, Charlie. Today, I feel like we yeah. had a good. This is our this is all the whole thing is this is our, our therapy session here. But um, <laughs> if if you uh, imagine, you know, if you imagine a young Charlie that has um, is is created a phenomenal uh, mental health health application that can help uh, people do expeditions across you know, uh, that just informs them as a combination of music and mental health coaching and meditation that they can, you know, scale mountains and traverse terrains. You should come up with this phenomenal product and you're bringing it into market and you think you've got investment capital going forward. What would you give, what advice would you give to that, that young Charlie embarking on that entrepreneurial adventure? Uh, well, with, with anything, um, I, you know, with anything like that, I'd say like, you don't do this alone. Uh, like collaboration is how you create change. And as an entrepreneur, it's not your job. It's your job to understand your mission, um, to connect, to find and connect to others who share that mission. And then to find the best team you can find people that are much more skilled than you are at every position uh, in the company, but that they're, that they're, that they're passionate and mission aligned. Uh, and then just go see what you can create. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously set goals and all that sort of stuff, but it's really, um, creating, you know, enterprises is, 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 um, 
you know, is something that teams do. It's not, you know, it's not just, it's not, not just young Charlie. So my passion is for, for anything I've ever done and companies I've led is not, not about what do I know? It's what, it's who, who I brought to the team and then what remarkable results that we've created together to help shift things on the planet. Awesome. Amazing. Love awesome. it. Collaboration is how you create change. That's the takeaway for me. Charlie, thank you for making the time. Um, and hey, this is fun, guys. Happy Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow. I know, Jim, you and I, we don't feel as it's Thanksgiving, given the fact that we're <laughs> on the other side of the pond. I'm serving, tur I'm serving turkey if you want I, to come over to Dublin. We, we, <laughs> we got one. I'm in the kitchen, and it's a bit of a mess, but I will show you anyway. There's a, it's already like, uh, you know what, it's tied. But there's a, there's a turkey that, that was being, you know, yep. prepared yep. for tomorrow. So that's great. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie. It's a pleasure meeting yeah, you. Yeah, good to talk to you both. I look uh, forward to seeing and, it. And Jim, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice Take to care. meet you. All right. Take care. See you. Bye.